Hey, SBCC family, Jason Miller here. This is a Tribune Project update episode on the podcast. Uh, we know that a bunch of you are following along as we together discern our financial commitments to the Tribune Project. This is us getting our hands on the printing press building of the South Bend Tribune in downtown South Bend and taking that building that's been empty for quite a while now and uh, acquiring it, transforming it, and filling it with new life to make it a place not just for us as a church, but for the people of South Bend and for all of you who participate in the digital family. Uh, if you want to catch the teaching for the week, you can find the teaching episode in the podcast feed as well. And during this time, let me remind you, you can head to southbendcitychurch.com to learn more about the project or to make a commitment. Hey, good morning. Are you warm enough yet? Uh, my name is Jason. Welcome to South Bend City Church. We're honored that you are here. Sometimes we call ourselves a community of believers and doubters and everybody who's a little bit of both. So we really hope that you can feel at home here wherever you land on that spectrum, because I promise wherever you land on that spectrum, you're not alone. And a lot of us uh, have been there too, or we're there right now. Uh, a couple things going on that I'm really excited to like, keep you updated on or bring you in on if you haven't been here in a little while. Uh, we want to give you an update on the building stuff that most of you are aware of and also talk about some other stuff going around as we move toward Easter. So let's talk about the building stuff. Uh, hopefully you're aware now that we are like hot in pursuit of the purchase and renovation of this building downtown. Uh, this is the uh, room that will eventually become our new gathering area at the Tribune Printing Press building. And uh, just as a reminder, here's what it looks like when we get our hands on it and transform it. And uh, like this particular few weeks that we are in right now is the financial phase of the project. And I promise nobody around here wants to like turn into a church that talks about the money like every week forever, uh, which is why we're just focusing on it briefly for this, this short period of time here while we try to accomplish the financial phase of the project. And so we gave the big pitch last week. If you missed it, you can catch the podcast. Uh, we also put out a little 10-minute film that gives you everything you need in about 10 minutes, and you can find it on our Facebook and our Instagram and our YouTube page. So that's all out there. Hopefully, you've taken advantage of that. But if not, I want to make sure you know that that's where you can get like, all the details. Uh, you can also get a, a bigger picture of the whole project just by heading up to the mezzanine upstairs. We've got uh, the plans, the, the floor plans, the fly-through video, and our team will be up there after, at least some of us, I'll be up there after the gathering if you want to talk a little more about the project. Um, but I wanted to like keep in front of us just for a few weeks here while we do the other stuff like the Sermon on the Mount uh, and, and make our way toward Holy Week and Easter. I want to keep in front of us the financial challenge that's in front of us so that we can do our part, right? So let me just remind you, like here's the detail on what we're doing right now. Uh, we are discerning together the commitments that we're going to make for two years of giving that's going to make it possible for us to buy and transform that building. It's two years that kicks off. Uh, I mean, you can actually start giving right now, but technically, like, the two-year window starts this Easter, and it'll go until April of 2024. And the question is, like, what do we want to give above and beyond our regular general fund giving, right? So for some of us, we already give on a regular basis to the regular budget that pays the regular bills for our community. And it takes care of kids' ministry resources and staffing and the rent that we pay here right now, right? So this is about what we want to do above and beyond the money that makes the, the regular life possible. Uh, it's about taking a look at our budget and our calendar and doing some praying and discerning and asking, like, if we feel called, compelled, stirred up to make a commitment to this project. And then you go online and you make your commitment between now and April 10th. Uh, hopefully you've also noticed that our website has a brand new front page with all the details on the project. And right there on the front page is where you can make your commitment. And you can do that anytime. So that's, uh, that's just kind of keeping the details right in front of us. Uh, but I also wanted to um, take a minute to hear from some other voices these next few weeks. 
So it's not just kind of me driving this because this is a communal project. It's been communally discerned through many voices and long periods of listening through the fall and the spring here. And that continues to be the case as we move into the financial commitment stuff. And so I thought to get that started to hear from another voice in our community, who better to hear from than, than somebody who actually is a, a scholarly academic expert in philanthropy and nonprofits, who many of you know, uh, Dr. Angela Logan. Why don't you welcome Angela? I'm gonna call you Dr. Logan for this one because you're, you're up here in doctor mode. Is that okay with you? Switch hat has been switched. Good. And we are now Dr. Logan. You have been warned. I've been called Dr. Logan. I'm going into professor mode. Audience participation is required. Continue. That's good. Y'all getting graded. Mm. Uh, here, here's the first question, Angela. You have heard me say in my moments of honesty, not my vision casting moments, but just my self-disclosing moments, that it, it can, on my worst days, feel like a project like this, like a financial project to buy and renovate, can feel like a necessary evil. And you cringe when you hear me say that. Why? So this is the audience participation part, you included. Okay. How many of us have ever taken a friend out to dinner? Raise your hands. How many of us have ever bought a gift for a kiddo? Now. Did that money come from your evil part of your bank account <laughs> or your good part of your bank account? Good, yeah, good. Okay, yeah, yeah. now, same scenario. How many of us, that friend that we took out to dinner, we have never spoken to, uh, we have not spoken to them since then? Mm -hmm. How many of us that bought the gift for the kiddo that was sweet and cuddly and cute that kiddo became an angsty teenager. Mm -hmm. Did the money? Did we think back and recategorize that gift and put it into the evil category because the tween the baby became a teenager? No. No. So why then would we think about money related to the church to be evil or good? Money is money. The U.S. Mint does not have a special good category of money, and evil category of money. It's just money. It's how we attribute our emotions to that where it gets messed up. And just because we had a bad relationship in a faith community related to money does not make that money evil. It just is. That's really good. Um, so you're not only an actual like, scholar and researcher on philanthropy, you also direct a master's program in nonprofit administration. So you live in nonprofit and philanthropy world. And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about um, some of the good that can come in a community from a project like this. And I don't just mean the fact that we'll have a new home, because we do need a home, like we're gonna be homeless next summer and we would like to have a home. But beyond that, um, again, it's easy to kind of like focus on some of the stories of pain around these kinds of projects, but you have this research angle on what happens in churches when they tackle stuff like this financially. What, are, like, what do we miss if we just see the kind of negative side of that? It's funny that, you, that we're having this conversation today because Facebook is another one, good or evil, it just is. A Facebook memory popped up yesterday where you literally five years ago talked about how we were going to be moving into this space that used to be the old Studebaker complex and we didn't know what it was like but we were doing a challenge to try and raise $120,000. Yeah. Right, $120,000. By the way, the, 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 the giving goal here is three million for the front end of the project. And yet, 
we all chuckle when we think about we had a goal about 120,000. And how many of us were angst, how many of us who were still, who were around in the early days remember the angst that we felt about the 120? Yeah. How many of us have angst about the 3 million? <laughs> but how many of us are giddy about the possibilities mm. of the 3 million? Mm. Last week when you we introduced it and I was going around passing around pens, when we put up where we were in the quiet phase, I squealed. Mm. Because that means that this community believes in and is invested in a project that is mind-blowing. Well, real quick, you mean when you say where we are in the quiet phase, last mm. week we let people know mm. about early commitments. Early That's, commitments. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Sorry. I, I wanted to... I, want, I told you I was going in faculty mode. Yeah, yeah. When we think about where we were five years ago and where we are now, how much we have grown on that simple kind of $120,000 investment. So in my mind's eye, I think about if we went from that to this at $120,000, my God, what can we do with $3 million? That's awesome. Yeah, um, uh, here's a personal question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you've already made your commitment to the project. I did. Would you be um, willing to share a little bit about what it was like for you to discern that? Like, take us through your own process a little bit. Absolutely. So when we talked about it, six, when it first came up six months ago, I was giddy, I was excited, and I said, I had a number in my head, and I was like, okay, this is the number we're going to do, and it's great. And then I thought for a minute, and I was like, sis, you give that much on a monthly basis. And it was going to be that one-time gift. I was like, let's reassess some things, Angela, because I had to think about where I am in my life versus where I was five years ago. So five years ago, my financial situation looked a little different than it does now. I've grown, I've evolved, and so I took some time and I prayed and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed, and I fasted, and a little bit of prayer, and then I pulled out my bank account and my calendar, and I thought, what makes the most sense, but also, which is a little bit of a stretch goal. We often talk about it's not equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. And so for some people, the sacrifice is a dollar a week. That is $52 that you don't think you can give up, and that's okay. For some of us in this community, we can give um, $3 million today. I'm just gonna say that right now in Jesus' name, amen. And so for those of you, and that $3 million is not a stretch, so maybe you can write that check for four, and if you do, we'll talk after church. But whatever it is, it's going to push you, and that's okay. One of the things my mom, after, if you've been around me longer than 30 seconds, you know that I have Angela-isms, Richard-isms, and Terry-isms. Terry, Richard-isms are things my father says. Terry-isms are things that my mother said. One of the things my mother always said was, you can't receive with a closed hand. No matter how much you try, I cannot put anything into a closed hand. And so in order to receive, you have to be open. And you have to put yourself in a position to be open. And so for me, that was, okay, let's be in a position to be open and be able to receive and to give. That's awesome. You guys thankful for Dr. Logan today?
Yeah, thanks, Angela. I really appreciate the perspective. Just a little more on the Tribune stuff before we move on, and we'll get, we'll get through it, I promise. Um, a couple of stories of commitments that I thought are helpful because they, they illustrate a couple of things. So uh, one family that I'm aware of here in the community who's made their commitment to the project, uh, they recently paid off their house. And I don't know about you, uh, I can imagine myself uh, like counting down the days to the end of that mortgage payment and getting really excited about crossing that line. And this family, what they've decided to do essentially is just kind of like defer that uh, for a couple of years. And so instead of making a mortgage payment to the bank, now they're going to pay a mortgage payment for our church. Not the full church mortgage payment, but they're going to they're gonna take that same payment every month. And that's how they came to a capacity commitment for what they could give on the project. Um, I love that because it's, it's a little different than just um, thinking about your kind of everyday spending. And uh, there's a sacrifice there and kind of waiting a couple of years for uh, a finish line that I'm sure they were really looking forward to. Another story that really moved me, and this goes back to the fall actually, uh, this is right after we first announced that we were like exploring this project. Somebody in our church community was on their way out of South Bend. Uh, they were moving out of state and they sold their house. And this is actually the first gift that was given to the project. And I, I wrote a note to them to let them know that. Um, when they sold their house here in South Bend, they tithed on the equity. So they took you know, the gap between what they sold it for and what they owed, and they gave 10% of that to the project. And they were really excited to help us have a new home together in the future. And the reason that really moves me is this person lives um, like hundreds of miles away now. And for all I know, they may never set foot in the new building, but they still wanted to be a part of giving to it, which is why they actually made the first gift of anybody in our church. And I put that in front of us because whether it's our general fund or this project, we also ought to be aware of and grateful for the fact that there are people who like never get to show up in person who give to this stuff and support it. And I don't say that to like push or squeeze or shame, but I think it's actually appropriate for community to understand the generosities and the graces that sustain us. And one of the peculiar generosities that has sustained South and City Church from the beginning is people from very far away who never have the benefit of checking their kids into a kid's room or like being here in person who also give to both the general fund and a project like this. And I also love that that's a person who uh, found a way to give without looking at like the monthly budget because not everybody looks at the monthly budget and sees any possibilities there, but there's other ways to be creative about that stuff. Uh, so with stories like that, commitments like that, with the kind of wisdom that Angela shared, uh, here's our progress update uh, today. So as of today, we have 920,780 committed from 34 individuals and families. I think that's worth celebrating as we go, right? Yeah. And we got a couple weeks left, so we'll keep you updated on it, whether it's in gathering or on social media or through the email newsletter. And again, between now and April 10th, if you feel like you're being called or compelled to make a commitment, you can do that online.